Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest uh, Mountain West Wire uh, basketball podcast. That's pretty fast there. I'm speaking. I need to uh, relax, slow down a bit. Jeremy Moss here. I do that a lot. <laughs> I understand. And uh, Eli Betker talking hoops and uh, Utah State, right? The Aggies? Is that who we're going with today? That's right. We got the Aggies coming up. Then one more, and then we're all wrapped up for these preview podcasts. Depends what order you're listening to. Maybe there's 10 more. He just heard this is the first one. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah, check us out. Um, website, um, New Digs, if you haven't seen this over there mwr.com you can subscribe just to aggie stuff or basketball stuff or any specific team sport at the moment you're on right now well i guess football and basketball only but give us a like go check out the page like our facebook page twitter all that fun stuff mwc wire not exactly cohesive but we're close enough if you search mount west wire you'll find us right yeah, and we don't have Koei McEwen wire yet, but uh, but there's lots of wire. <laughs> we, that, that's right. No, no Kobe McEwen wire, but we do have Utah State athletics, so you can go check that out if you're an Aggies. So if we make if we make one for for a basketball player, who would it be in the conference? Hmm, well, I mean, last year it would of course, be Nick Duncan, clearly. obviously, <laughs> but uh, this year probably Chandler Hutchison wire, right? If you got my best player. We need to see who does something crazy or um, just something interesting out there because Dick Duncan was just that dude. We told you, the dude that chucked it, and he'd be good sometimes. Or Eric Musselman. There wire, you go. Sure. Because you know? he's, he's quite the guy. That, that's that's a perfect one. Him, Co- yeah, the coach, uh, Must. Shirtless Must, right? Mm-hmm. Drive by Dunk right. Must. Ticket, ticket delivery guy Must. <laughs> he does it all. Hopefully, right. Nevada head coach next year, Eric Musselman. But let's, yeah, get, hopefully. let's get to Utah State here. We're talking Aggies. We're not talking. If you want the Nevada show, we did that the other day. So go check out that and every other team we've done at the moment. So season starts this week with Utah State, who they had a couple exhibition games. But let's start with the uh, media rankings. They picked them eighth. Was that kind of a surprise for you to be that low behind UNLV and a few others? Um, I mean, behind UNLV, probably that makes sense. I think they'd probably finish in the 8 and 9 range. So I thought they'd have a little bit more distance ahead of New Mexico. But I, I think that's probably a pretty fair ranking. Because they lose Jalen Moore, who's... Is he in the G League at the moment? Or is he overseas or something? He's overseas, okay. yeah. We might do some sort of... Uh, we found a pretty good website. We might do kind of a twice-a-month update for pros, NBA pros or basketball pros. So that might be a possibility if we can find a reliable website. That can track it easily. <laughs> That's the challenge, yeah. Those uh, things in Europe are tough too, so I know a few people, but they lose him. But they have a uh, Kobe McElwain who was – was he freshman of the year last year or is he all-freshman team? Uh, he was freshman of the year, and he set a number of Utah State freshman records as well. He was a really special player, and it's nice for Utah State to have him back. So when you have him, he's going to be clearly the dude for this team. That. Like, they put them eighth, but I think he's a guy. Like, I know I mentioned this on a few other shows about who could be kind of like like the first, going back to Fresno Montel Harris. I think 
this is a definite guy who could be that type of player for Utah State, where he could score a ton of points because he's like Sam Bassini over, over the Athletic has him. A, what is he, number eighteenth lead guard in the country, something like that? Yeah, he was he was in the top twenty rankings, and he's been collecting a lot of those preseason accolades, which is pretty cool. But I mean, we've mentioned this on a number of podcasts last season. Utah State has had its fair share of stars the last few years. They had. Jalen Moore, as you mentioned, and he was excellent. But, I mean, outside of Moore, they really didn't get a ton of contributions and uh, production from other players. So they had their start once again in McEwen, and uh, obviously a nice sidekick in Sam Merrill, but you have to have a supporting cast, and it's, it's nice for the Aggies to have a star because that isn't always something that you come by in the Mountain West Conference, but you have to have production elsewhere. So let's go to the coaching here. here this is, what, year three of Tim Durie? Is that correct? Okay, yes. he took over, as I mentioned, the used car salesman, Stu Morrill, Stu Morrill with the uh, rim glasses <laughs> and the <laughs> elbow patch jackets. <laughs> Good old Stu. He, uh, 20 games, Stu, right? 20-plus game a year, Stu. But the one thing that's I, know, I like with the new coach, I guess sort of new, they've actually played decent opponents because Stu Morrill would play. He, he would challenge Air Force for the worst schedule of the year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if that and so like they, they they're getting there because some of these games are still in place so that's um, what you want to see for this team where they have they have a couple opportunities like I know we're going into the schedule but we'll get to other players and things as well but they got like a decent Weber State they got Gonzaga which will be interesting but that's about it really they got BYU at in Logan which could be good at University of Utah so they have a couple good teams but they got Life Pacific who's Life Pacific do you know Pacific I mean, it's Life, not Georgia Pacific, it's not Pacific, so that's good. Insurance company Pacific Life. <laughs> uh, the at Valpo is a decent game as well. Oh Valpo, so, uh, yeah, but they lost um, the the new Missouri Valley team. Name? Yeah, Alec, Alec Peters, Peters is gone, so man. that hurts. But I mean, that's still a decent program. So a couple nice teams on the schedule. Last year's uh, schedule is better. They played Purdue, Texas Tech, and BYU all on neutral sites. So those were three quality games. So. It's not great, but it's uh, it's not Doesn't awful. Doesn't Montana State have a guy who's like a good NBA potential player, I believe? Don't they have some guy on their team? Yeah, yeah, Tyler Hall. I think he averaged around 23 points per game last year, but he should be selected in the NBA draft this coming spring. Excellent player. So what we think about this schedule, it's, um, it's nothing that stands out really. Like Montana State game will be interesting, but they're not going to beat Gonzaga. They're probably not going to beat Valpo. BYU and Logan, maybe, but BYU... There were some issues with Tyler Haas and his eligibility. They weren't very good last year. Lose Eric Mika. So that game, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try to go to that game. I've never been to a game in Logan. Maybe I should because I heard it's a rocking place to go. And they got Utah and Salt Lake, which will be interesting. But I don't know. It's uh, This team, though, like I said, if it's just McEwen and um, what's his name? Um, shoot. Um, Sam. Sam, Sam yeah, Merrill. Yeah, that's right. Sam Merrill. I was thinking, I'm like, I can't, it's not the same coach. Merrill what? But... <laughs> yeah, that, that without those good. guys, it's like after them, it's like who's who's next guy up then? Like who's three, four, and five? Do they have a three, four, and five that's reliable? I I really like D'Angelo Isby. Uh, he's a JUCO transfer who will be playing his first season in Logan this year. He exploded the other night in an inter squad sc- scrimmage. Yeah, I think he had about twenty seven points, and he's played well in Utah State's exhibition. So he's going to have to step up. And it's difficult because this team has already suffered two major injuries. Their key center, who was supposed to start this year, Norbert Janacek, he had suffered a season-ending knee injury, so he had to receive surgery. He'll miss the entire season. 
And um, you also have Julian Pierre, who will be out about a month or so with a calf tear, and he's a, a solid backcourt role player for them. So two major injuries right off the bat. And it's tough because this front court, even before these injuries showed up, losing Jalen Moore, they needed to get some solid production out of their freshman as well as Quinn Taylor. And this is an undersized front court that has some serious question marks, and especially after they lose their biggest guy, Norbert Janicek, because now they only have one player that's over 6'8". So lack of size and just a lot of question marks on that front court. So it'll be interesting to see how the rotation sorts itself out, but um, definitely some things that need to be figured out by the time conference play rolls around. So speaking of size, have you read Ken Palm's piece from The Athletic the other day or from last week? I believe he basically so, yeah. put like it's. I just saw it right now, so I I didn't read the whole thing. But basically, if like um, we met, was it last year in Nevada? They rebound well, but size wasn't their main thing overall. It's so like basically, even if it's just one inch or even two, that could actually play a huge difference. So if they're undersized and they're going up against guys, teams like uh, UNLV with Brandon McCoy has size. Aztecs will have size and length on defense. There's a couple of teams in conference, uh, not Nevada really, but they're athletic. But he, it's kind of. I need you should go and read this if you have a subscription. Go check it out. But basically, kind of going through how the height could be just that one inch, which makes sense because how close are people getting to a block half the time? We're getting out rebounded the guy or diving for a loose ball where you see two hands on the edge going after it. So I just thought that was an interesting piece. You should probably anything he writes, you should go read for Ken Palm. But I just kind of glanced, definitely, definitely glanced at this, and it's like. He goes into like he's he, how many basketball players have a link to the center of disease disease control for the average male growth less than a quarter. Okay, here's here, who's going to put this in a basketball article. Well, According to the Center for Disease Control, the average male grows less than a quarter inch between 19 and 20. The CDC doesn't publish information beyond age 20, and then blah 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 a few other things. And so, like they mentioned a guy, um, who is it? Um, blah 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 blah. There's, I guess, a group of a dozen who grew an inch and a half, which is an anomaly, apparently, from 19 to 20. So this was this was about the Tennessee team. Yeah, right? it looks like Tennessee. I'm looking as part of it too. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's uh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So it just go and read. It's it's always a a different take on basketball. He's uh we know he's the analytic guy, but this is kind of way out there. Not necessarily pace or tempo or adjusted strength of schedule per opponent on playing on a mountaintop or something or air aircraft carrying <laughs> more appropriate, I guess, for hoops. But yeah, it's always interesting to see, but. If they're undersized, that's going to be just another thing that's going to be against Utah State. Yeah, it will be. And we talked, our first podcast was about Air Force and their lack of size and overall athleticism. And even for Air Force, Frank Tui, who will play number five and start <laughs> number five for the Falcons, he was six foot nine. And um, Utah State won't have many, if any, players that will receive consistent playing time that are over six foot nine or. And most of them are six foot eight. So, obviously, like I said, a lot of question marks for this team. They will lean on D'Angelo Isby, who will be should be a breakout player for this team. I, th- I think he's going to be a solid player. Alexis Darginton will probably need to step up in the front court. Kobe McEwen and Sam Merrill, obviously the go-to guys. But just knowing the last two seasons with Tim Duryea, he's had more talent on this roster the last two years than he probably does right now and he wasn't able to reach any postseason tournaments in those two seasons. So um, I guess it's reasonable why the media and, and coaches were a bit skeptical coming into the year with, with this Aggies roster. So with um, let's kind of go back to coaching here. Tim Durier, 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 third year, like clearly, I know the team, like, not, like I said this a few times before, 
Utah State is still – they shouldn't be, but they're at the point where they're still playing, catching up to the competition. Because it's not too long ago they were in the Big West. As of uh, – two, I guess it's oh, – jeez, it's been 14 years, I guess, since they've been in the Big West. Yeah, 05 season. Oh, 05, okay, sorry. I was looking at 03 here for some reason. But Big West, WAC, and now Mountain West, which is slightly better than that WAC back in the day. But they – because they stepped in the Big West, obviously went – one a tournament game or two, always getting twenty five plus wins every year, thirty wins I think once or twice. Going to the whack, still being very good and being very competitive, but it still takes time. I would think at some point, why? How? Why? Let me ask you this: Is it just a competition wise where they haven't been able to to read twofold new coach, and then with what even Stu Morrill wasn't able to exactly keep up to what they were doing in the Big West and whack days? It's probably a mixture of a number of things. Um, going from Larry Eustachy to Stu Morrill and then, and not to slight him, but to Tim Deary, that's that's a difficult jump, and especially when Tim Deary is the one that's coaching in the most difficult conference. So I don't know. I would ask you this because I, I think it's probably a valid question. Do you think that the MWC is that much more challenging than the WAC in the mid-late 2000s or the Big West in oh, the early 2000s? Big West, obviously, it's not as good. Clearly, because mm-hmm. that's makes sense. But the whack, trying. Let me see who's in the whack a couple years ago. Because you had here's the thing: you had Nevada, Fresno State. They were all in the whack a couple years ago. You also had San Jose State. So it's like most of the whack. But then you also had like the whack changed dramatically. Who was in the whack? Who was Definitely. in the whack with them? You had uh, New Mexico State, uh, Idaho, right? Who else is in the? Yeah, uh, I in the mid yeah. or, or right I'm now. I'm talking about no, like uh, when Utah State was there from 05 to 12. Well, the year that they won 30 games in 09, Utah State had a 14-2 record that was, was best in the conference. Mm-hmm. Then it was followed by Nevada, Idaho, Boise State, New Mexico State, and Louisiana Tech. Oh, yeah, Boise Tech, State, yeah. As well as San Jose State, Hawaii, and Fresno State. So three other programs that are either fully committed to MWC or in just football. So, yeah, it's not. it was never a cupcake conference, but I think MWC is – a sizable step up, and Tim Dury's had his his work cut out for him, just with knowing what Stu Morrill did for almost twenty years with this program, consistently winning twenty five games and even thirty twice. So, yeah, it's difficult. Um, and this year, I think will be will be very determinant of what's going to happen in the future for Tim Dury because I think he's probably approaching the hot seat, honestly. And I know that's only year three, but. This this program hasn't been to a postseason tournament since 2013, and that's not 2012 NCAA tournament. Yeah, 2012. They're the CIT runner-up. I mean, see, it's okay. That's what five seasons that they've gone without even any postseason tournament, not just the NCAA tournament, and that's not typical for this program because from 1998 to 2011, I want to say they went to 10 NCAA tournaments. So. That's a significant drop off for this program. Overall. Here's exactly what that and eventually someone's got to be. Here's patient. exactly what that really quick. I have uh, Stu Morrill's wiki page here. Okay. They went to eight NCAA tournament games in since eight ninety eight. They had only one losing record since ninety eight to two thousand five. Tw- Stu Morrill had a huge streak of just Morrill himself twenty twenty plus wins from ninety nine to thirteen, including that th- th- two thirty one seasons. They had, I thought they had an NCAA tournament win. No, and yeah, they had one NCAA tournament win. I think they beat, did they beat Arizona and Boise? I think it was in two thousand. If that was, uh, I'm not sure about that. Two thousand one. Two thousand one. 
They be. Uh, I'm going to look real quick. I'm, I'm curious real quick. Hold on. Utah State. Uh, Ohio State. That's a 12 seed. Okay. They beat Ohio mm-hmm. State in uh, Greensboro, so it's way off. Never mind. <laughs> but out they went eight, eight, eight NCAAs, and then they went to NIT one, two, three, four times. So from 99 to 11, they or 12, they're in, in, in a tournament. And from 99 to 11, NCAA or NIT, but usually an NCAA. And so part of it is, is that uh, they rack up wins because we've seen what Stu Morrill schedules. But again, the competition, this is year five in the Mountain West. And I think you're right that Duria could be on the hot seat because Utah State, with him, he has he's only 30 and 32 record overall. Utah State does not have a, um, I guess they do have a winning record overall in the Mountain West play with Morrill and Duria, but you got to, he's not going to get fired after this year, but people aren't happy because nobody's showing up to games at the Spectrum because of how the drop-off. I, you know, I honestly wouldn't guarantee that he's going to be back next season because I mean I think a lot of things have to go wrong for this team but I mean things are things are shaky right now so if Utah State finishes as bad as 10th or or maybe even 11th and I don't think they will finish 11th they have much more talent than San Jose State or Air Force but there's got to be a point where Utah State athletics department looks at what we're looking at right now the team history and, and sees that the last five years have been very mediocre after coming off all these NCAA tournament appearances, and I would just have to believe that Tim Duryea probably has the warmest seat among MWC coaches right now because he's, he's in a tough spot. He also was the safe hire because he's promoted from within a couple years ago. They didn't really go anywhere else to find a coach. They just stuck with... I think he was one of the longest tenured assistant coaches for Utah State, so he had mm-hmm. been with the program well, for quite a while. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, did that work well for Craig Neal? No. Does, is that going to work well for Brian Dutcher? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But Durier right now, it's not the case. So we've had – this is the third coach in the conference the past couple of years that have had – took that one seat over, and success hasn't really been there. Yeah, it, I think this this is going to be a very big season for Utah State because they have a, potentially a future pro basketball player um, – when Kobe McEwen, who could be excellent, he could probably finish on the All MWC first team if he's not already running for Player of the Year. And I just want to bring this up because I thought this was a very interesting story from over the summer involving Kobe McEwen. And there was a report that came out in July um, from Desert News that reported that an AAU coach tried to shop away Kobe McEwen from Utah State which was a very interesting situation, especially with all the FBI investigations going on right now with AAU and shoe companies. But basically, an AAU coach who had ties to uh, McEwen, who's who's from Toronto, basically he just tried to shop him away from Utah State and said that he wanted to transfer from Utah State even though that wasn't the case. And, and McEwen wasn't aware of it, and McEwen's family wasn't aware of it. So he was, this, uh, it was unreported who the person was, but this person tried to, I would assume, try to take McEwen to a power conference school and, and put him in a better position to play pro ball, which is, I don't, I don't know if this will have any repercussions in the future, but it is definitely an interesting story for a player that is of McEwen's caliber, and especially after David Collect transferred just a couple days before the season, this, the year before that, 
Um, it's tough. It's it's a really interesting story. In the end, he's done nothing with the University of Utah. It's like, come on. Mm-hmm. He could actually, having him on that team and give him the extra size they need and a good player, they'd probably be top a couple spots higher, maybe at worst middle of the pack if they had Colette. But that was kind of a similar situation where somebody, I don't remember, the, do you remember how that was resolved or what exactly happened? It was kind of a similar situation. A coach related or a, either a relative or a former coach in high school or AAU was talking to like University of Utah and other schools to get him to transfer. Isn't that kind of what the ultimate result was? I, I'm not sure about that from Colette, but I know that the people who were within Utah State were pretty shocked with what happened, especially just 48 hours before the season started. I remember seeing that pop up on my phone after I was coming out of work and saying that David Colette was transferring from Utah State. And I was like, what? That is really confusing. And then he ends up at Utah. So that's salt in the wound for Utah State fans. He transfers to the rival program. So. Yeah, it just really interesting situations right now, and hopefully this doesn't impact McEwen's future because you'd like to see him, if he does go anywhere besides Utah State, you'd hope it's into the NBA, but I guess we'll see what happens. Hopefully um, nothing transpires from this and, and everything goes as planned for McEwen and, and his camp, but crazy stuff. Do you think he really did, did not know? Because I, I kind of find that hard to believe. I don't know, and, and I mean we can we can all assume things, but I mean there are some there are some sketchy people that are involved with AAU and, and shoe companies that are yeah. just I mean honestly they're just trying to do things for their own good, put these talented teenagers into positions where they can be more profitable. So I I wouldn't be shocked if this things happen, and and we know it does too because you have these talented players who look what happened. Yeah. Yeah, it, no, just look at the Louisville, Auburn, Arizona, mm-hmm. USC. Look, people, UNLV is looking through their program to see if there's anything, uh, something going on. So we know it can happen. You'd usually just think the player would be somewhat in the know, or maybe uh, this is clearly speculation, not fact or anything. I'm just, just throwing it out there. Here's maybe why he did not know and why he possibly could not know. This guy, the coach, was looking for getting him to whatever school, a better school whether it be university, a Pac-12 school out west or something, Big 12 school. Maybe he wanted to get a deal in place like they'll like we've seen people getting six figures, like the Bagman thing for college football, which is obviously not in hoops with all the FBI stuff. Perhaps he's looking for a deal to say he's going to get X amount of money if you can get him with Adidas or whatever, so he'll sign a pro deal and all that fun stuff that could come with it. or Not fun, but you know what I mean. All, all that comes with it. The reason they invest money in a kid to – an Adidas school or Under Armour school, it's because okay, he'll sign an Under Armour contract possibly or Adidas contract in the NBA if he makes it that far, and then we'll get our investment back that way. So maybe he's he's looking for a deal, didn't find one, and maybe that's why McEwen didn't know. I'm just saying that's possible, or that that could make sense for him not knowing because why tell this kid who's 18 years old, hey, I'm looking to get you to another school. What's the reason behind it? Mm-hmm. I think we can both figure out it's some sort of a money situation or some sort of a. Why would his coach do it? There's got to be a reason behind it. Is he going to get hired by the school that he goes to? Is he going to get money to go to that school? And maybe he didn't find a deal in place to get him to go somewhere else. That that I, That's clearly plausible for what we've seen the past few months. People wearing wiretaps in Las Vegas hotel rooms. It took him, and what is it, two years to work on this case? I think it was about that. That I think I think it's clearly plausible, plausible at the worst to say he was looking for a deal and didn't find one. That's why McEwen didn't know. Because he would, why would he come to him and say, yeah, I'm looking for another school? He's like, why? What do you mean? 
Instead of, hey, I got you going to Arizona and I can give you and your family $85,000. Oh, so you're, so you're saying get, the coach did not McEwen. No, no, what I'm saying, no, what I'm saying is like the coach, the re, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy what I'm thinking about, but why would he come to the kid and say, hey, we're looking for a new school for you? Money. <laughs> because then it gets into, he knows about what's going on. Not, not even just money, but talking to other schools. You can't do that unless you already said, I'm going to transfer, I'm going to leave, or a grad transfer. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is the coach was looking for a school to go to, and why? He wants a deal of some sort. It's- Something going on. Why, t- why tell Kobe that he's doing that until he'd come back and say, hey, Kobe, I got these three schools. Are you interested in doing this? That's why I'm thinking, like, why would he just throw it out there and get him distracted and whatever other stuff? But, I'm just, again, this is clearly speculation, but it makes sense. He'd want to do it in place before he comes back to tell McEwen, here's what could happen. It's it's very possible. And this, unfortunately, this goes on a ton because you have, and I don't know McEwen's background, but you have a number of players who come from, I mean, less than ample circumstances who see these opportunities to go to these major programs and play 30 games and then head to the NBA. And, I mean, it's pretty much everyone, everyone's dream who plays basketball. That's that's kind of the ideal scenario. You go to college, you're the star of the show, and then you go to the NBA and make millions. So you have these people that come along the way that try to throw these players off just so they can and make their own bank accounts or to get more recognition or popularity. And it's unfortunate because you catch these 18, 19, 20-year-olds who, who just honestly don't know better or or think that this is the right way to go. So I don't know how this McEwen situation will sort out if it hasn't already or if it ever will, but um, it's too bad you have these people that are doing things like this for the sake of um, their own well-being. But, yeah, just, just really bizarre stuff, and um, it, it's, it's crazy what the FBI has found the last few months that really will probably impact the future of recurring as we know it for uh for the coming years yeah we'll see it's a who knows again even if you come from a decent background if you're offered six figures who that's kind of hard to hard to turn down when you're eating even as an athlete okay meals you know what i mean mm-hmm. so but let's get back to the aggies real quick let's wrap this up so do you what how would you uh rate this like kind of going by their schedule going by what the talent they have are they going to finish higher than lower than what the media predicted them at eighth place? I think I think they're going to finish lower. I think they're going to finish in ninth. Um, I would probably bump New Mexico up to eighth because I think that people are little are they're discounting the Norberg Janicek injury just a little bit because he was their big guy underneath. I was expecting him to have a big season for the Aggies this year. He's at six eleven two forty. He's their post presence that they that needed to have this season, and he played really well last year. And he started a number of games, and you lose that big body, and you also have some more question marks in the front court. And we've seen it in the past with this team that they can't rely on stars, and I don't think many teams in the Mountain West can really do that. So I think they're probably going to finish ninth in the league this year, and that would not translate to a postseason appearance for the fifth or sixth consecutive season. Is it going to um, see? Is Tim Durier going to be back next year if they finish ninth place? Which probably means like twelve wins. If I don't think so, I if if they finish as bad as ninth and and things really start to spiral out of control, he. 
I, I can't guarantee that he would be back for his fourth season. And because of that, I think you'd probably see some of the players from this university transfer because uh, there's just so many question marks. And, and there's some good talent on this roster, but like we've seen in the past, the, the coach gets fired, and like we saw at New Mexico, like we saw at San Jose State, then, then things start to unfold, and you have to rebuild the program back up. So I don't know how the season will sort out. Of course, none of us do, but I think that Tim Dury has really got it figured out this year, and he's got a couple stars to lean on, but that supporting cast really has to show up where things could get hairy quite quickly for Utah State. All right, so that I I, I I'm a little more optimistic. The injury, if he's back for league play, which sounds like he should be, maybe the Aggies can make a run. But I don't know. I I, I like Mac McCoby pretty well, but I don't know if he's going to be that good to get them to beat up on maybe Wyoming or New Mexico or you even UNLV. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 going I'm going to go that they'll finish right where the media predict them. I think they'll be better than New Mexico, but it'll be close, but not by much. So. <laughs> That's all I got for this particular show. Thank you for tuning in. Again, our new website um, looks awesome, I think. MWR.com. Check us out there. iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio. Um, give us a review, right, Eli? Tell, tell your friends. That's right. I think we're we're probably we one of the only – I think we're one of the only Mountain West basketball-centered podcasts, and we're also one of the only Mountain West basketball-centered podcasts that has a unanimous five-star rating on iTunes, so you can – add to the pot there and give us another five star. Well, Hey, Rob Doster, Doster from college basketball talk wants a new podcast. So I turned them to our way. So hopefully maybe, <laughs> uh, my tweets to him will be answered. And if he'll take a list of maybe, Hey, these guys know what they're talking about. At least Eli does. So, so we'll figure <laughs> it out. you talked to Rob before you should tell him to listen or something. He yeah, used your definitely. stuff in your, um, article he did for, uh, or he chatted with him about the transfer. So yep. he's familiar. So, Maybe crossing fingers. <laughs> Give us a retweet, Rob. We're calling you out. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, again, thanks for tuning in for the Aggies. And uh, season starts soon. I know these last couple have been down to the wire, but um, they'll still be relevant for the first week or two of the season. So yeah, hoops is basically here in a couple of days by the time you hear this, or maybe it's already here. But we end every show the same. Yes, we are very much biased against your basketball team.